Merry Christmas. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you this morning and share a message. And uh, for his encouragement to come and do so, special thanks to Pastor Hank, who will probably regret it in about five minutes. <laughs> Today I'm going to be speaking uh, a little bit about why Jesus came. I'm going to be talking about the fall, his coming, as well as a present application, which is a lot to do in 20 minutes. So let's get on with it. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to put it on the screen here. And I'm starting in verse 7. It says, The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and... the end. <laughs> That's helpful. <laughs> can anybody read that? If you can, you're not allowed to answer the next question. What do you think it says? Let me shout it out. Yeah, tree of knowledge, good and evil. Text doesn't say that though. It says in the tree of the knowledge, good and evil. Hmm. Look over at verse 16. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat, but from the... I don't know what those two circles are. There it is, the tree of the knowledge. Again, good and evil. You shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Now, you've got two trees in the middle of the garden. One, when you eat from it, you live. It's called the tree of life. The other, when you eat from it, you die. What should that one be called? Tree of? <laughs> it's not called that, though. It's called the tree of knowledge, which is interesting. Now, my focus isn't going to be on why it's called that, but it's interesting that before man, God sets down two choices, life and death. Now, this should conjure up in our minds something Moses said at the end of Deuteronomy, when he tells the Israelites, see, today I have put before you life and good, death and evil. And a few verses later, he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life, Moses says. And what do the people do? <laughs> Judges puts it this way, then all the sons of Israel did evil in the what of the Lord? Sight. In those days, there was no king in Israel, the book ends. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Was there a king in Israel? Yeah, there was. Their king was God. But they rejected him, God says to Samuel. Now, we're going to see the same thing here in Genesis, and its reenactment is through the rest of the Bible and in our own lives as well. And before you get all frazzled at me, what I want to tell you is that you don't need to know Hebrew to understand what this text is talking about. You can get the meaning from the English just fine. What I, I put that nuance there of the original language, this interpretation, so you can see where the emphasis lies. The emphasis is not on the content of the knowledge. 
Hebrews chapter 5 tells us it's good to be able to discern between good and evil. Adam and Eve knew they weren't supposed to eat. They knew. The content, or the, the focus, the emphasis is on the knowing. There's a knowledge. In other words, the problem isn't the knowledge, but it's the desire to be an arbitrator, a judge of it. You want to know what's good for yourself. That was the problem with the woman. And that's why somebody wittingly put it that it's not the apple on the tree, but the pear on the ground that's the problem. Now, what, what happens to the woman eventually? You got, you got a serpent in the garden, right? And he says to the woman, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree? And she responds by saying, adding her own command, no, we can eat from the trees, but God told us we can't even eat from this one. We can't even touch it or we die. Servant says, yeah, you're not going to die. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. And so she takes some and she eats and gives some to her husband who's with her and he eats. Now, did they die? How many say yes? How many say no? How many don't know? <laughs> you know you've got a funky interpretation going on when you've got the serpent who's telling the truth and God's lying. But you're right. They did die spiritually. God did not lie. Now, what in the world is going on here, and what does this have to do with Christmas and why Jesus came? Well, I'm getting to that. But think back with me, if you will, for a moment, about the creation. You got Genesis 1 that says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw, with the eyes again, he saw that the light was good. Now, was the light good apart from God? I mean, was he surprised when, when he created? And, oh, that's better than I thought. No. He made it good, right? So God sees that it's good, day one. Day two, you've got a separation, heavens, waters, and the waters, right? And it doesn't say it's good. It's the only day it doesn't say anything's good about it. But day three, you've got the, the ground appears, the dry land, and all the trees and the bushes, and God said it's... There we go, okay. Day four, we've got more lights. We've got sun, moon, stars. God says it's... Day five, we got creatures created. There's a separation again. Uh, sea creatures, birds of the air, God says it's. Day six, creation of man and beasts, and God says it's. Good. Notice the parallel there, lights in one and three, separation, two and, two and four, no, two and five. Now what happened after God created the man? He said it's not what for him to be alone. Good. Well, why not? Did he just figure that out after he created Adam? Did God, did God create Adam and go, you imagine this, God creates Adam and just goes, oh, man, man. <laughs> but, but God's sitting there going, oh, you know, I didn't mean to do that. Does he do that? No. Well, why is it not good that man's alone? Because God determined it to be that way. That's how he created him. If man was supposed to be alone, he would have made him alone. The fact that it's not good is determined by God. He's the one who decides what is good, what is not good. Now, God brings all the creatures to Adam, see what he names them, whatever he names them, the name is called. Does Adam find what's good for himself? No, he doesn't. He doesn't find what's good. He looks, doesn't find. So what? God gives him some anesthesia, puts him out, creates, or takes a rib, 
forms a woman, brings her to Adam, and Adam says, cha-ching. Okay. God makes what's good. He's the one who's responsible for it. And that's because God knows the good. This is the knowledge that belongs to God. So what happens to the fall? Well, look at Genesis 3, starting at verse 5. This is the serpent. For God knows in the day that you eat from it, your eyes, it's a plural you, because they y'all, in the day y'all eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Do you see the problem here? The text says when the woman saw that the fruit or the tree was good for food. Now what did God say about it? What happens when you eat from it? You die. Is a tree of which when you eat from it, you die, is that good for food? No, but did she see it that way? No, she saw it was good. Why? Because she wanted to be like God. God says, I can't have that. Well, it looks good in my eyes. It looks good to me. That's why she took and ate from it. Sounds like Samson. Remember in Judges where he's telling his parents, go get me that woman for a wife. And they say, can't you take somebody from your own relatives? And he says, no, I want her. She looks, she looks good in my eyes. So Eve's trying to know the good herself apart from what God said. Now look what happens. Verse 7, it says, And they knew when the woman saw that, no, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the wind of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, you read this and you get this idea in your mind that God's kind of moseying about Eden, looking, his, looking at his creation. He's kind of like Brian Regan up on stage telling the joke. You know how he does his... God's looking around like, it's a nice place. I do good work. <laughs> you know? Those of you who know what I'm talking about, watch too much YouTube. But there's no, there's no, there's no cool of the day here. This is talking about the, the wind, the, the spirit of God, the, the breath of God. Remember Elijah when he's hiding up in a mountain from the Jezebel of the woman named Jezebel? And there's a huge wind and it almost brings down the mountain. But God's not in the wind. And then there's an earthquake. God's not in the earthquake. There's a fire. God's not in the fire. And then there's a sound of, it doesn't say still small voice. It's a gentle blowing up. This is the spirit of God in the garden. And walking. He's not, he's not, he's not moseying. It's more like a picture when you, if you were to leave your two-year-old in Walmart on Christmas Day. What are you going to be doing? You're going to be doing this. You're going to be traversing the garden, back and forth, hunting for somebody. Now, now, if you're a kid, and you just did the one thing that you weren't supposed to do, and your parents come home and they start looking for you like that, what are you going to do? You're going to hide. Now, what if 
because your parents knew you did something bad and they knew something was wrong with you, they wanted to find you and embrace you. That's a different story. That's different. And so what does God say? He's looking for the man. Then the Lord God called the man, said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Now, I thought God was omniscient. means he knows everything. I also thought he was not only omniscient, but omnipresent. He's present everywhere. Remember, omniscience and omnipresence is not something God does. It's something that God is. So why does he ask this question? Doesn't he know? Well, he asked the question because this is the question Adam needs to ask himself. Where am I? I'm hiding from the provider, the one who just created all this stuff, and he gave me dominion over it, and he said, live, enjoy, rule, conquer over these things. And now I'm hiding. So Adam did die. Death is a separation, is what it is. You've got two types of death. You have physical death, which is a separation from soul and spirit from a body, or you have spiritual death, which is a separation from the presence and fellowship of God. And I make that exception because you have to be, God's present everywhere. He's even present in hell. Uh, people in hell experience God's presence, but they don't, they're not aware of his presence. That's the sad part. Now that, that brings us back to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? They had two choices set before them. They had life and good, death and evil. And if anybody's ever seen The Last Crusade, the night at the end says he chose poorly, right? Now that brings us finally, though, to why Jesus came. There are a number of things we could say, but I'm just going to focus on two, because Becky said I had to hurry up. <laughs> First is found in Luke 19.10. Jesus says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's one of the reasons he came. To find people and save them from eternal separation from God. Now, if you're here and you're not saved, and I don't know everybody here or what the spiritual status is, uh, that's something that you need to do uh, now. Uh, you do that by embracing the gospel. Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then you begin to participate in the other reasons why Jesus came. Namely, look at John 10.10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In verse 26, he tells us this means eternal life. Now, what in the world is eternal life and why in the world do I want it? Well, novel thing. Jesus tells us somewhere else. This is eternal life. John 17.3. That they may know the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Now, why do I want to know him? What for? Well, in another place, Jesus tells his disciples, these things I have spoken to you so that you may have joy, and my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. The issue going on with Adam and Eve in the garden is that they started to look and tried to know things apart from Almighty God. 
That was their problem. They started searching for the good without God. When you do that, there occurs a spiritual rift, a separation, maybe temporally or eternally. But you start doing that, and then you begin looking for goods and trying to know things outside of God's prohibitions and on your own, and you start looking for it in people or stuff, and you're never satisfied. And you can't be. There's some things that are good, some things that are not. God created us for a specific reason. Now, that's what is going on with some of you in here who know Christ already. You've been saved, you've embraced the gospel, but now you're still looking for what's next. What's God holding back from me? You know, what, what am I missing? What's the next thing? And you're going to look for it. You're not going to find it. It's not going to happen. Christ came, Christmas, so that we could all have joy right now and have it to the full. Everything you are looking for is in Jesus Christ. If you're seeking to be satisfied, it's in Christ. That's why the psalmist declares, uh, in, your right, or in your presence is fullness of joy, and in your right hand are pleasures forever. So what do we do? I only have one application. applies to everybody. And that is, if you ha- haven't known Christ yet, you've got to do it for the first time. But if you already know him, then still, nevertheless, you've got to get in his presence by yourself, and you need to resign yourself, commit yourself fully to him. Do it today, Christmas. There's no better time. Get in the presence of Almighty God and offer yourself completely to him, no matter what it costs, no matter what happens, say, God, I've, I've sinned. I'm a sinner. Uh, you've continually placed yourself before me, and I continually choose the other thing, and I'm tired of it. I want the fullness of joy. I want the, I want the joy of Christmas. I want Jesus Christ. That's what we all need to do if we haven't done it yet. Now, you can do this now. You can do it at home. It doesn't matter where you do it so much. It just matters that you do, you do it. So, I'm going to hang out up here afterward. Pastor Hank is either going to be up here or he's going to be in the back. We're happy to talk if you need to. That's why we're here. It's the only reason we're here, actually. But my message summary is that God loves you and wants you to know his joy. And that's why Christ came. And if you don't know it, we invite you to know it today. All right? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. Um, We thank you that Jesus Christ was sent into the world to bring fullness of joy, Lord, namely that we might know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Lord, your word tells us that if anybody confesses their sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us those sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to come before you today and not to wait any longer, Lord. Help us to know you and to yield ourselves completely to you. You are the one true God. You are life and eternal life at that. May your name be blessed and glorified this day. In Christ's name, amen.